Hello, and welcome to Bostonian Rap. My name is Rachel Meiselman. You are listening to me on WBCALP 102.9 FM Boston. This is Boston's community radio station. Now, before we get into tonight's topic, which is, as promised, a continuation of last week's show in which I discussed the state, or should I say the disarray of the Massachusetts Republican Party and why just beyond the, the state, uh, the stat, uh, or the current condition or however you want to phrase it of the Massachusetts Republican Party, why it's so important for Massachusetts to have a robust two-party system. But first, let's go to a quick disclaimer, and then we'll be right back. The following commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to Boston Neighborhood Network, 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02119. To arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3241, or you can email radio at bnntv.org. Hello, and welcome back to Bostonian Rap. Again, my name is Rachel Meiselman, and you are listening to me on WBCA LP 102.9 FM Boston, Boston's community radio station. So as I was sharing last week, really the state of the Massachusetts Republican Party is shameful. We need a two-party state because we can't run a state or any geographical space for that matter well for an extended period of time with only one set of ideas. There has to be, let me just say this, for for a society that is so bracketed upon diversity, it astounds me that there is no room for intellectual diversity, for political plurality. We need to have different ideas. Chris Doty, who, of course, uh, ran uh, for governor of Massachusetts, uh, and he was Republican. I like the word that he used. He used the word friction. And I think that when you're talking about really trying to come up with the very best ideas, I do think that you need different ideas. I do think you need, I'll use that word again, diversity of ideas. I'll use that word again in in the context that it should be used much more often in, but in fact, it's rarely used in that particular, uh, you know, context with that kind of... um, idea in mind of tolerance for different ideas, the encouragement of different ideas. We need to have that. We need to have debate. 
I'm not talking about debate as in, you know, two or more candidates sparring uh, and, and, you know, showcasing their ideas and their platforms, but I'm talking about people just sitting around a table or even two people sitting across from each other and just comparing ideas, contrasting ideas, trying to find a middle ground. That's how we, I think, produce the best plans, the best strategies, and I really think that that's how we form the strongest and most productive collaborations. So at present, Massachusetts really, we don't, we don't have that two-party system. I call it a one-party state. So I have seen the term uni-party, and I'm going to shy away from that term because it's used by people, uh, many of whom, a lot of whom, from what I've seen, mean that there's no difference between Democrats and Republicans and that both parties, they're in fact, it's part of the same machine and that machine is not there to protect the interests of Joe Q public or uh, promote them. So someone might be listening saying, well, what's wrong with that? Well, a lot of these people also seem to be open to conspiracy theories. And I just, I want to focus on what I know. And what I know is based on experience. It's based on, in some situations, numbers. It could be based on anecdotes that are provable. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't go in for conspiracy theories. I don't go in for people who just shout out what they call facts. And let me just say this. The Internet has been a wonderful place insofar as, and I've said this many times before, it's been a wonderful place because people can really express themselves. Anyone, as long as you have internet access, you can express yourself. The problem is, as long as you have internet access, you can express yourself. So what's at once good about it is also bad because really you have all these people and... Everyone has a right to his, his or her own opinion, but not all opinions are equal in the marketplace of ideas for different reasons. Uh, and, and, and a lot of them revolve around the, the veracity of the ideas that are driving those opinions. So it's it's just, it's really, 
it's frustrating for me uh, sometimes to, you know, look at what some of these people on the political right are saying, what they're claiming. And I just, I don't want to get into what I can't prove. I don't want to get into shouting into the abyss, abyss and, you know, doing it enough times so that what I'm shouting becomes somehow the truth. I mean, that's, that's not how it works. That's not at all how it works. So, and, and then let me say that the left does this too. The left does this too, but I mean, what's happening on the right right now, I, I, want, I do want to focus on that. And I have to say that there are some elements on the right that I'm not seeing on the left. And I, I, I could say there are elements on the left that I'm not seeing on the right. But yeah, I want the focus to remain on the right. And so getting back to the term uniparty, uh, there's this idea that, you know, it's this, this machine with these big tentacles and deep state. Well, I, I think that there are people that are gatekeepers and they are answerable to bosses, a set of bosses. Uh, I think that mediocrity is encouraged and rewarded. I think that towing the line is also encouraged and rewarded. I think that if you try to think for yourself, uh, particularly in the political world, it's not always easy. In some places, you have a little bit more wiggle room, but in other places, it's it essentially means that you're not going to be able to go anywhere or if you do want to move or run for office or ascend the political food chain, it's going to be actually quite difficult. It's going to be quite challenging. Um, so I, it's not that I don't think that there are efforts sometimes from both Republicans and Democrats to keep people with ideas, with good intentions, and with the best of uh, acting in good faith. So uh, with ideas, with good intentions, acting in good faith, all of that. Um, I do think that there are efforts to stymie the work of those people. I do. I really, really do. And maybe at another point in time, I can, I can share why. But I don't want to, from that, um, descend into conspiracy theories. Um, but I do think that, you know, especially when it comes to politics, people focus on power and status. And a lot of people are, and now, now I'm just talking about human nature, uh, people, they want to, once they have power, once they have status, they want to fight to keep it. And it's just as simple as that. And it's not just in the political arena. It's in uh, a number of different uh, worlds, if you will. Um, but I think that th this, this drive and this desire 
to hold on to what one has is particularly strong in the political world. I like the term one-party state because it's just very, I find that it's a cleaner, if you will, it's a cleaner expression, a cleaner phrase, one-party state. It's just very matter-of-fact. It's very, it's no frills. It's just, (laughs) it is what it is. We are a one-party state. So sometimes you see different posts on social media which, like the internet, you know, has been both good and bad. It's been, it's been both a blessing and a curse, right? Um, but on social media, there are a number of posts, and uh, you know, relative to Massachusetts politics, and there are some Republicans who express their concern about this party becoming a one-party state. And I just have to say, look, (laughs) we're already there. We're already there. Um, It's it's very important, I think, to look at reality such as it is. We are already there. And it's had devastating effects. I think... Uh, again, in the city of Boston, it's we in having a one party state, there have been ambitious people, and ambition in itself is not a bad thing. But when there's nothing but ambition, there's no compassion, there's no empathy, there's no knowledge, there's no experience as in relevant experience. Um, it's you're talking about someone who is 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 very self-serving and is is looking for power. And unfortunately, we have a lot of someones like that, I think, in the Boston political world. And these people have been able to leapfrog up the political food chain because they haven't been challenged. Let's look at Mayor Wu. I don't have time for those anti-vaxxers, the ones that were appearing outside of her home. And I've expressed that on a number of occasions. Um, Catherine Vitale, among others. And the reason why is because... They never had anything to, first of all, a lot of them are not even from Boston. They're not from Boston, and they they don't reside in Boston. And so the fact that they're here making all this commotion, making all this noise, I find that offensive. And, you know, I I always find myself thinking, is there not something that they can find to do in their respective municipalities? Is there not anything that they can do? I'm pretty sure there is. But a lot of people, whether they're on the the right or the left, or maybe anywhere in between, they come to Boston because they know if they come to Boston, whatever their cause is, it's more likely 
you know, because it's the capital, because people just in general, a lot of people talk about Boston. Um, it's they think, well, OK, it's more likely to get attention. And they're not wrong. But I'm tired of people using Boston without caring about Boston to further their own agenda. And so most of these anti-vaxxers, they're not from here. They're not from here, and they don't reside here. You have Michelle Effendi, too. She's, she's, she is so obnoxious. Uh, I, I had not known that she, on one occasion, and I, 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 just, I still can't believe that she did this, she actually put herself in front of a vehicle she she laid down on the ground and she had her child, her her infant child in her arms. And I, I, I mean, I don't quite know what's wrong with her. I, I, I can't think of any excuse for her doing that. She she not only put herself very much in harm's way, but even more importantly, she put her young child in harm's way. And and how can she reconcile engaging in such activity with her claims of fighting for the children and masks being a form of child abuse? Doesn't really doesn't really mesh, does it? Of course not. So I, I just I I don't like these anti-vaxxers, I don't. And I don't think they care. And I'm thinking about the ones who've protested in front of Wu's home, among other places. I don't really think they care about the impact of the vaccines on people. I think they care about the impact on vaccines on themselves. And that's where it begins and ends. They don't, they just don't like the idea of the vaccines. They don't like the idea of mandates. And I can agree with them on certain points. I don't like the idea of the mandate either. I never have. I never will. In this particular context, I did not agree with the idea of a mandate because as I've explained on a number of shows even the the CDC said that there were several paths that one could take in order to protect himself and others. So I just, for me, the mandate, when there were other ways to keep healthy and and to also show consideration, and respect and concern for neighbors and family and colleagues and friends. I just, I did not agree with it. And I had questions about the vaccine. I had concerns. And I had an issue it's it's an ongoing issue, and I, I pray that it will be resolved. And I've talked about it a little. But I had something happen to me not too long after I got 
my second shot. And there have been a number of things that medical professionals have been able to rule out, but they haven't been able to rule out the vaccine. So I, it's not that I disagree with the idea of people not liking mandates. I mean, first of all, people have the right to like or not like mandates. That That's, you know, but it's not that I disagree with the anti-vaxxers on that issue uh, or that point. And again, it's not that I, too, didn't have questions. I, I didn't have questions, rather. It's not that, because I did. I, too, had questions. My issue is is that I, I don't agree with their tactics. I don't, I think they're, uh, I, 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 I don't, they, they cause, they create problems, they create chaos. Uh, I don't agree with what drives them. It's wholly agenda driven and they are married to their goal. And I think their goal is political power, and I think that uh, they they want to build a platform for themselves, and they want they you know earlier I talked about politics, status, and power, and I think that's what they want. And I think I think that their their goals are very. Um, I, I think at this point they they should be pretty apparent, but also I think that you know many people at this point. Um, you know, should be able to look at it and say, you know, they're pretty selfish. And that's probably one of the kinder adjectives that you can use to describe them, given what they've said, given what they've done, and given what, you know, they they, they propose to do from one day to the next, which, by the way, constantly varies. So, you have all these people, and the amalgam of all these different, you know, you have these moving pieces, these different actors, and none of it really is good for people who just want a choice people who are looking for something different, something viable and different. You know, a lot of these people, the anti-vaxxers, they're aligned in one way or another with the current leadership of the Massachusetts Republican Party. And on last, on the last week's show, I talked about what? What did I talk about? I talked about this race to the bottom. Because that's what, that's what this is. Whatever we have to do to get our cause out, whatever we have to do to get our message out. Well, again, it's it's not so much a cause as it is an agenda. And it's not so much a message as it is an agenda. A few days ago on social media, on Twitter, I said that these people, you know, these anti-vaxxers, and these, these can well, you know, some of, some people who share 
a lot of the ideas of these anti-vaxxers. They are candidates, unfortunately, um, you know, who are, you know, running for office with Jim Lyons' full support and backing. Um, These people, if they can't make the news for their achievements, for their accomplishments, then they're going to be the news for their antics. That is what I said, and I stand by that. Again, it's all about power, and it's all about status. You know, I get tired of hearing about how there's this this struggle between conservatives and moderates. No, (laughs) there's not. But journalists are too lazy, a lot of them, to do their jobs. And they have their own prejudices that they're unwilling to look past and, quite frankly, type past. (laughs) And then, of course, people like black and white. I personally believe in nuance. And when you talk about politics, I think you have to have the ability to talk about nuance. It's very important. I thought uh, Carolyn, what's her name? Caroline, excuse me, Caroline Levitt in New Hampshire. So she's running in New Hampshire's first congressional district. I like her. And I've listened to her speak and I say to myself, my goodness, wow. She's young, but she's very self-possessed. And there are, of course, efforts to paint her as very immature and flighty and, and really just way out of her depth. But I actually think she could do a very good job, or at least a credible job. I, I think she could do a better job than Chris Pappas. I do think that. But I also think she's smart. I think she's smart. And so while there were efforts to paint her as this, you know, Generation Z, you know, spending mom and dad's money, uh, she said, I am a homegrown candidate. I am from here. I was made here. And I will always be here. My heart will always be here. And I want to fight for my community. I want to fight for the people that I grew up with. I want to fight for the people who put down roots here and have made this their home. But I'm the best position to fight for the community because, again, I'm from here and I speak the language. And I just thought she just she just kept on hammering that home, and I thought that was very smart. But another thing that really struck me was she retweeted one of her followers who said, I am ultra MAGA, but I'm for a big tent. And I said, wow. Smart, 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 smart. So on top of all these other things that I think that she had done right, I thought that this was something that she had done right and and really it was it was 
it was a, a, a mark of, I think, um, great, I'll use the word nuance, a great intellectual nuance uh, on the part of one of her supporters. Uh, so it was actually one of her supporters, but it was clever. It was good for her to highlight this. Because you can be ultra MAGA. You can support Trump. I support Trump. I voted for him in 2016. I voted for him in 2020. I'm not backing away from those votes. Oh, no, sorry, Bob. I'm not. But that doesn't mean that I can't be critical of Trump. That doesn't mean that I always agreed with everything that he did. And it certainly doesn't mean that I can't think critically. And it doesn't mean that I can't claim to be a pragmatic soul, sort, because I am. So we get back to this idea about the press really kind of making everything black and white. I have people calling me. I think I mentioned this on a previous show. Uh, I think it's kind of funny. It's kind of cute. I have people calling me a moderate conservative now. So they're coming up with new terms because they're people like me, and I'm not frothing at the mouth. I'm not saying like these out, not completely, but just outlandish things, period. It's not that they have to be completely outlandish. It's just I'm not saying anything that's outlandish. At least I don't think so. And people, you know, listen to me. And even if they don't agree with me, they say, well, okay. She's able to talk about different perspectives when she's discussing a particular topic. And then she's able to present her own and contrast ideas and explain why she believes this as opposed to that. And I I take that as a compliment. And I would say that there are other people out there who support who who have supported Trump, who support Trump, who are also very reasonable people. The problem is, is just like Jim Lyons is trying Jim Lyons and his ilk. Jim Lyons, of course, being the chair of the Massachusetts Republican Party, just like he's trying to hijack what it is to be Republican, period. He's also, I think he's already done this. I think he's been fairly successful at co-opting what it means to be conservative. And I don't agree with the label of conservative or being conservative, you know, that being applied to Jim Lyons, because I don't see him as conservative. I think he has his beliefs, but I mean, some of them, quite frankly, I don't see a whole lot of difference from the political left. And when we start talking about tactics and strategy, I really don't see too much difference between Lions in the political left. 
So let me be specific. This whole idea about talking about diversity. Oh, look how diverse we are. Look at we have people who are this and that. I mean, I'm sorry, but could we maybe talk about the qualifications of the candidates? I think that that's what's important. I think that's what's important. And I think what I'll do, (coughs) we'll go to a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about qualifications. We're going to talk about qualifications versus identity. But let's go to that quick break first. Our jury system needs participation by everybody. Jurors make important decisions that affect lives in our communities. In our courts, everyone deserves fair and equal treatment. People from different backgrounds bring different viewpoints and ask more questions when making decisions. Make a difference and serve on a jury when you get the chance. Brought to you by the Massachusetts Trial Court and the Office of Jury Commissioner. You took the first step and quit smoking, but even former smokers may still be at risk for lung cancer. That's why SaveByTheScan.org wants you to know about a new low-dose CT scan that can detect lung cancer early. It takes only 60 seconds and could save your life. You took the first step, now take the next. Visit SaveByTheScan.org for a simple quiz to see if you're eligible and talk to your doctor about screening. SaveByTheScan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. It's time for today's STEM tip. Okay, you know recycling is important. No one wants plastic in the ocean. Here's a cool way to repurpose a plastic bottle. Build an awesome terrarium. Cut a large plastic bottle in half and fill the base with sand, pebbles, potting soil, and your favorite plant. I chose an African violet. Put the top of the bottle over your base and place it in the sun. Your plant will grow sealed in its own ecosystem. Fun, right? Learn more at She Can STEM. A message from the Ad Council. Melissa Melissa from Michigan. I work an extra part-time job serving lunch at my child's school, but I still can't afford to put food on our table. Daniel from California. Choosing whether to pay the rent or pay to fix the car to get to work doesn't leave us with much at all. Now we can't even pay for meals. Hunger is a story we can end. End it at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Are you a veteran or do you know a veteran who is struggling with housing due to COVID-19? Veterans Inc. can help provide support services, including assistance with rent, deposits, utilities, as well as emergency housing, including hotel stays to eligible struggling veterans. If you or someone you know is in need of services, please call 1-800-482-2565 or go online to www.veteransinc.org. Uh-oh, Brad's buzzed. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he's starting with the woots. <laughs> and now a speech. I just want to say that friendship is about heart. Heart and brain. Who's with me? Good thing is, he knows when he's buzzed. And my brain is saying, when it's time to go home, somebody call me a ride. Love that guy. Me too. Know your buzzed warning signs? Call for a ride when it's time to go home. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Here's a fun fact for you. 
the average chameleon can point their eyes in two different directions. On the other hand, the average human can't. So unless you're a chameleon, there's absolutely no way you can focus on texting and driving at the same time. So don't do it. Unless you're a chameleon. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Hello, and welcome back to Bostonian Rap. My name is Rachel Meiselman, and again, you're listening to me on WBCALP 102.9 FM Boston. This is Boston's community radio station. So before we went to a quick break, I started talking about diversity in regard to racial and ethnicity, you know, racial and ethnic backgrounds versus qualifications. We have gone down the wrong path. When I say we, I mean the Republican Party. Jim Lyons has repeatedly talked about the diversity of the slate of candidates. And I got to say, I'm not impressed. I think that we have the worst slate of statewide candidates in recent time. Recent times. We don't have a candidate for treasurer. Our candidate for secretary of state, Rayla Campbell, Rayla has no qualifications for the office of Secretary of State. Now, someone might say, well, Rachel, of course you'd say that. You know, you ran against each other in 2020 for the 7th congressional seat. Well, I would say no. I'm saying this because she really doesn't have any qualifications, not a one. And she didn't have any qualifications to run for Congress either. You can't just stand up and run. And so what we have now is we have people who stand up, and it's about the power and status. And I keep on coming back to that. Power and status, power and status, status and power, status and power. We have that. But we have people also who... You know, obviously, it's very much that, but we have people who are going to make their grab for the power and status, and they're going to do it based on what they are. So, in Rayla Campbell's case, she's a woman of color. She's she's a black woman. And we hear about it nonstop. Uh, We hear about how she's made history. She is the first black woman to make the statewide ballot in the history, in all of the history of Massachusetts, okay? Well, let me say this, and I've said this before. When I was growing up, to make history, the idea was that it was something exceptional, that it was an achievement that it was something that was accomplished against considerable odds. Today, 
making history is more about being in the right time, being in the right place at the right time. And that definitely fits Rayla. So she loves to talk about how she's the first woman, black woman, to make the statewide ballot in the history of Massachusetts. What she's not going to mention is that another black woman made the state uh, made uh, statewide ballot, Andrea Campbell. What was it like two weeks later? And then Sonia Chang Diaz. Well, she's not black. She she is you know a woman of color. She made the statewide ballot shortly thereafter. What's my point? Again, when I was growing up, if you made history, the idea was that you had considerable obstacles in your way and that there's a reason why it hadn't happened before. Rayla Campbell was in the right place at the right time. Now, she actually tried to claim that uh, she was the first black person to make statewide ballot, which, of course, is insulting. Uh, You know, you have Senator Brooks, may he rest in peace, and you have, uh, of course, Deval Patrick. And it's just, I, I I was rather astounded that the GOP let her get away with, you know, not let her get away with, but... And I'm not even going to say let her do this. I'm going to say have her do this because it was it was just incredibly disrespectful um, to Edward Brooke. I'm sorry, Brooke, uh, his legacy and what he accomplished. And it, it was also disrespectful to Deval Patrick. And someone might, I can imagine one of Jim Lyon's allies then calling me a rhino for saying that. And it's like, it doesn't matter what you think of Deval Patrick. It doesn't. It really, really doesn't. The fact remains that he made the statewide ballot before Rayla Campbell. So Rayla Campbell can't claim to be the first black person in the history of Massachusetts to make statewide ballot. She's the first black woman. Okay. But... Again, you had two women of color, including uh, another black woman, who made the ballot as well a few short weeks later. I don't think, I mean, I not I don't think, I know she doesn't have, as I said, qualifications. Um, and, you know, all the time that she has, been out there and all the attention that she has gotten, none of it has been for her platform, which we have yet to hear. We have yet to hear about. She didn't have one when she ran for Congress. She doesn't have one now. I, I, you can't run for office if you don't have a platform. I mean, you can, but then you're not credible. I mean, insulting Bill Galvin, saying that he's not 
likable. And that's, I mean, that's a matter of opinion. I think he's, I think he's great. A lot of other people do too. But it's, it, I mean, talk about the job that he's doing. Now, I appreciate and respect that some people are going to say, well, you know, I'm going to, you know, yeah, Rayla Campbell, her, her resume is a bit thin. <laughs> I know, but I'm going to vote for her anyway. You know what? I respect that. I'm not going to sit here on this show and tell people who to vote for. I can't do that anyway, but I wouldn't do that. I try to be, I do try to be fair. But personally, no, she doesn't, she, she doesn't have any qualifications, not a one. And then you have Jay McMahon, James McMahon running for attorney general. I actually, I find his candidacy disappointing because I feel that unlike Campbell, he actually has qualifications for this office, but he is just, everything that comes out of his mouth, it's as if Lyons is talking. And I think that James McMahon, Jay McMahon, I mean, at this point, it's, you know, it's, I mean, we have, what, we're 42 days out, 42, 43 days out. It's not like Jay McMahon is now going to all of a sudden develop uh, independent thoughts, you know, you know, express thoughts independent of that of the current party leadership. But I, I think he would have been a much stronger candidate if he would have actually spoken to the issues. I mean, he has a lot to say about substance abuse, and I, I think he could have, you know, really talked at length about that in a way that was compelling. And I think that, you know, had he focused on the job instead of Jim Lyons' talking points, I think that this race would be or would have been, rather, a lot more interesting. You know, I I, I looked at uh, an ad that Jay released, and I'm sure a number of you have seen it as well, and in it, he is talking about how Andrea Campbell was ducking debates. And it's, <laughs> I'm thinking, my gosh, This really, this is your ad. I mean, I could understand if he had opened the ad, you know, make making that assertion. Well, Andrea Campbell, she will not debate me. And this is a shame because the people deserve to see the two of us side by side and to hear the differences in our platforms and our visions. And then he could say, for instance, I think this, and Andrea Campbell in her own words, thinks this. You know, and he could have thrown out another point as well. Uh, you know, two or three kind of points uh I don't want to say talking. I mean, well, it's an ad. So I guess, yeah, talking points. He could have thrown out two or three uh, talking points, uh, hot button topics. And that would have been a nice little ad. 
Instead, it's just, oh, Andrea Campbell's not debating me. It's just like, what? <laughs> I I just, it's it's disappointing. I think that he was a stronger candidate when he when he ran before. Um, this go around, not so much. Jeff Deal and Leah Allen, Leah Cole Allen. Um, I'm still waiting for a platform. So they, there was a recent press release from them where they said they're going to seize upon words to this effect. Uh, it was it was roughly this: they're going to seize upon every opportunity to make Massachusetts more affordable. Uh, okay. I mean, I could say that. You know, and I could find ways in my community to put my ideas into action, or I could go before my elected officials and try to advocate for or lobby certain ideas. I just, I don't... I don't I don't understand running for governor and lieutenant governor and and just continuing to pump out talking points. Again, as I was saying with Jay McMahon's ad, in an ad, you can't go into detail. You've got like what, 30 seconds, you've got a minute, you can't. But when we're talking about policy, when we're talking about, uh, you know, issues that are that are 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 the difference between people actually staying in the state or leaving, I, you 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 can have your press release. You can say that you're going to seize upon every opportunity to make this state affordable, but then. Refer people to your website, and on your website, you've got to provide a little bit of meat. You've got to. You've got, it's it's like that Wendy's commercial from the 80s that I grew up with. Where's the beef? <laughs> there's no beef. With Jeff Deal and Leah Allen, there's just big fluffy bun. Oh, that's a very big bun. Oh, a very, very big bun. Oh, that's such a fluffy bun. That's all there is. There is no beef. So this is Jim Lyons' stellar you know, <laughs> slate of candidates. And then if you look at the congressional candidates, it doesn't get much better. And, you know, what happens is, you know, people get recycled. And so I think a lot of people are noticing that. And I think that I, I understand people running for office a few times. I do. But if you're running for office and every time that you run, you don't change your ideas <coughs> and you don't offer anything new. You're not offering anything new. You're not offering any ideas. You're not giving any kind of detail. You're not giving any, as I said, meat. Then why are you running? It's just an ego trip. 
And I think that we deserve more than a group of people who are determined to keep on running as long as they can without offering anything new. Because their ego says, oh, I need this. I mean, people are even starting to speak up about Jeff Deal's resume. I mean, really, is his resume, is it one that would allow him to run for governor? And, and you can argue, well, he did serve in the legislature. He did serve for a few terms. <clears throat> he did. And, and, I, and I mean, I don't want to discount that. But then what I would say, I wouldn't say so much his experience because he did serve in the legislature for a few terms. I would say his record. What did he actually get accomplished? I think those, those questions need to be asked. And don't get me wrong, I <laughs> don't, I'm not enthusiastic about Maura Healy, the a possibility of Maura Healy being governor. I'm not. The problem is that Jeff Deal is just not offering any substance. And in my opinion, he's done this with his last three runs, including this one, or his, his two prior runs, you know, state Senate, U.S. Senate, and now this. And I just, I, I don't think it's right. I don't think it's fair. I mean, people are hanging on by a thread. Chris Doherty pointed out that we have at least one or two states that are advertising in Massachusetts trying to lure the talent from here to other, you know, those, those states. I mean, people, people are saying it's not worth it living here with the high cost of living. And the work, the work, the work, per, you know, uh, work-life balance, it's, it's out of whack because it's so expensive to live here. So, I mean, so he's got to, he's got to have something more than just say, I'm the real deal and we're, gonna, we're going to seize upon every opportunity. He's got to have that. And we need this because we have to have a two-party system because, or at least a semblance of it, because as I said before, when you have a two-party state, you have different ideas. And there's a measure of transparency, more of a measure of a transparency and accountability that you're not going to get when it's a one-party state. That's unfortunately all I have time for. It always goes by so fast. <laughs> but I look forward to hanging out with you next week. We're going to talk about more about what's important. Thank you so much for listening. And yes, I look forward to hanging out with you next week. Bye-bye for now. 
The preceding commentary does not reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to the Boston Neighborhood Network at 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Mass. 02119, attention WBCALP 102.9 FM. If you would like to arrange a time for your own commentary, call WBCA at 617-708-3241 or email us at radio at bnntv.org.